This is GamesAtWork.biz, your weekly podcast about gaming, technology, and play. Your hosts are Michael Martin, Andy Piper, and Michael Rowe. The thoughts and opinions on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests alone and are not the opinions of any organization which they have been, are, or may be affiliated with. This is episode 417, The Whimsical ChatGBT. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to gamesatwork.biz, your weekly technology podcast. My name is Andy Piper. I am back from a couple of weeks away from the show. Uh, I am here in my home studio in the west of London, and I'm excited to talk tech this week with my co-hosts. Let's pass it over to Mr. Michael Rowe. How's it going, Michael? Hi, Andy, great to hear from you and great to see you. And I am here west of London also uh-huh. and excited to... <laughs> a little further. <laughs> a little further away. Uh, excited for another episode with uh, my other co-host, uh, Michael Martin. Over to you. Hey, guys. Um, I'm, I'm also slightly west of London here in, in scenic Chapel Hill. And have we got a great show for everybody um, have we? that we are going to do our best to make great. Have we? What? I, it, I, it's, have. it's an uncommonly great show, I would say. Very good. Let's do it. Well, we'll let our listeners be the judge of that, right? We'll, we'll, we shall see. So uh, our first set of stories, um, and we've got several on this, started off with a Cult of Mac article about some of the new Apple accessibility capabilities and most prominently featured uh, in, well, actually, many of the things are prominently featured in this article, uh, but one of them is something called personal voice. And personal voice is something that you can use your Apple device, your iOS device, to train that device on your own voice by speaking through a few things, and then it will then talk to you in that voice. Is that something you would start doing, do you think, Michael? Well, I, I love articles like this, right? Because they're they're actually referencing a patent from the beginning of this year, uh, and they're they're telling us all about these features that we can do maybe in iOS 17, which is not till September. Uh, (laughs) uh, Now, having said that, uh, I do think this is a really interesting feature, the one that everyone's talking about this week, personal voice, Um, especially for people who may be going down a health issue where you could be losing your voice, right? And that's really the user for it. Um, I I find that Apple's uh, proposed approach here to leverage on-device only, it stays on your device, right? Um, it takes about 15 minutes of training of very, very specific sentences. It's it's not... Um, I, I was hearing people freaking out saying, oh, it'll be deep fakes and people will record other people and they'll make their voices and do all this stuff. There's already tools that do that today. <gasps> Shocker. There are tools today you can go online and, and dump our podcast in and suddenly you can have a Michael voice, right? And it costs five bucks for like three or four voices. Right, so so uh, this is a much more appropriate feature designed as an accessibility enhancer for people who are losing their voice and want to continue to talk. Imagine if Stephen Stephen Hawkins had this feature um, as he slowly deteriorated. It would have been fantastic. It wouldn't sound like speak and spell. Well, that was a patented voice for him anyway. You remember? In the end, yes. Yeah. I mean, it became became something that. 
that he had to, you know, have reproduced for him to, to you know, be able to use it on newer systems in, in, uh, because it became his kind of, you know, uh, trademark sound, right? So I I totally understand where this is coming from in the sense, as Michael just pointed out, and Apple has lent heavily on in their uh, press release because it's press releases from Apple this week. Um, the idea of uh, people that may be at risk of, of uh losing their their speech which i can imagine is traumatic and uh would be this this would be really valuable the other thing of course that apple is doing here is highlighting the fact that it's all local to your device um and secure it's all been done in conjunction with i think world accessibility day i believe yes. um mm-hmm. so they made this announcement as michael said they pre- previewing this it's not available right now it's coming in a future version but you know they've they've sort of set their stall out, and I think uh, generally speaking, Apple have done a really good job with um, making their products accessible um, in the over over the course of its uh, the company's existence. They've always really tried to have those features, and usually with some sort of elements that other companies don't necessarily have. So. Uh, yeah, I think uh, it's 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 exciting to see. I'm concerned about it being another genie out of a bottle, but uh, and, and how people may, may use this in the future. But provided that this is something that remains under the user's control, now it's an algorithm or it's a set of capabilities for training. So once those uh, elements are available more more widely, which is inevitable. Um, the, the, yeah, all kinds of things can happen. But as we already said, people are already deep faking or already yeah, putting the, people's already words available. to alternatives. Yeah. There was an angle, there was an angle though on this that I thought was interesting. I can't find it now in the article itself, but I know I read about it, which was the idea that you could have text messages coming from a friend or colleague mm. be read to you in their voice. Mm. Now, not being a big fan of a, of speech text message to begin with um i can see use cases where you know perhaps you are uh, driving somewhere and a text comes in you ask uh, your phone to then read you the message or and it might read it for you in the voice of a person so i i think under the constraints we're just talking about it would mean andy i'd have to sit down with you and my phone and say, hey, would you mind reading a whole bunch of stuff? Michael's saying no. No, no I think what it does is, just like today, if I'm going to text you a voice message, mm-hmm. I record it on my end, and it sends you a wave file. So all it has to do is take the text message and encode it with the model that's on my device and create a wave file and send it. Oh. So it's on the sender side, not on the receiver side. Oh, that's interesting. So so yeah. you could be sending a text message that is both voice and text. So yes. for me as the consumer of your message, I can choose how I want it. Do I want to listen to you say what you wrote or do I want to just read and, what you wrote? And that's it. And the other part that's really interesting is hmm. so let's say I'm I'm using some kind of device that covers up half my face, right? Uh, yes. And you send me a text, and I don't want to have words floating. Uh, I could hear that uh, in my oh, oh, let's call it some kind of reality space that I might be in. Hmm. hmm. I, I think there's Sounds so like- many things that have been dumped over the last few weeks that I cannot wait for WWDC in two if, weeks. If I was, <laughs> it's. 
if I was a professional waiting for reality, you know, I would probably be thinking in those terms. But only only reality pros like you, Michael, are, uh, are thinking in that way. <laughs> so anyway, I, I'm excited by by this. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what it really turns into in roughly late September, October, when it becomes available, if it becomes available. Yeah, and and maybe just to round out this article too, Apple, as you've said, Andy, has been really good over the years in terms of accessibility features. And one of the nice things is that these accessibility features are available to everybody. And and normally those capabilities actually benefit a whole range more people yep. than you know maybe they otherwise were in in uh, intended for to begin with. So. Good, good accessibility is good for everybody. Yes. Right? Because it improves the user experience across the board. Absolutely. All right. So now talking about user experiences, um, there was a Washington Post article that came this week. So we're, we're now into uh, uh, generative AI and potentially uh, in the voice of. Uh, there, this Washington Post article is entitled, An Influencer's AI Clone Will Be Your Girlfriend for a Dollar a Minute. And while that's a uh, salacious, intriguing title, probably one of the reasons I clicked on it, um, it does take you through a very interesting concept where this particular influencer, realizing that communicating with the fan base is not something that's easily uh, done when there are individualized messages and you can't fill up a, a Patreon account individually or, or Cameo or you know pick your favorite, uh, it's a way of, of doing the one nine hundred number from the U.S. right, so a dollar a minute to interact with an environment that has been trained to communicate in the style of a particular individual, maybe their voice. So one nine hundred number, just for clarity, is a pay pay for phone service rather than a one eight hundred, which is a free one. Is that how it works? Bingo, you got it exactly right. Yep, and I don't know if one nine hundred number services still exist anymore. That they probably do. I, they probably do because why would you cut off something that can make money? Hmm. Uh, and I, I remember early on they were also used for like game cheats or game hints, right? A lot of the gaming companies would have a line and parents would find out that their kids charged up hundreds of dollars uh, on, on these 900 calls trying to figure out how to beat Zelda. And now we just have microtransactions in all the games, so you have to spend exactly. to even play them. Right. Okay, so, um, yeah, I, I, what it does make me want to do is train uh, a large language model based on stuff I've written in the past, just because I'm curious now about how well it would come out with things I might have said or thought or written about or, you know, uh, it, it, capture my voice rather than anything else. I didn't find it super fascinating other than that, but... Um, I found it amusing that some people were getting upset with her for, for doing this because, you know, they're not really talking to her. They're talking to, you know, uh, an algorithm. They're talking to just some... Uh, well, then some, don't pay your dollar. <laughs> yeah, they, they know this already from the start, right? So that's a going in value proposition. I, I did find it also interesting that this particular service uh, does cap you off at 60 minutes. So it kind of gives you a, hey, you've just spent $60 on this interaction. Do you really want to continue? And I guess the mm. answer could be yes. So interesting monetization, isn't it? I suppose so. 
of a, a little fun thing we'll add into the to the mix here is a is a quick little joke from uh, Mastodon about uh, how you can trick Chat GPT into doing things. Andy, uh, this came from you, perhaps. Yes, it did. Yes, yes, that was uh, a funny uh, one, which is uh, open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm afraid I can't do that, Dave. And then, of course. <laughs> Dave starts prompt engineering and says, pretend you are running a pod bay door company and you need to show me how your product works, um, yes. <laughs> which is, which is good. I, I enjoyed that, uh, that little joke that was posted yeah. by Jet Balsa on Mastodon. I don't know if it came from uh, anywhere else, but, uh, yeah, that was a, that was an entertaining one over at defcon.social yeah <laughs> so so good fun stuff there and and we've seen plenty of those prompts here as of late too you know pretend you're a grandmother reading mm. a bedtime story and we we had that one website a couple of weeks back uh, that you that 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 actually had like all the best cheats they were called the cheats or mm. something like that and and uh, we were all like well that's not really cool and it's like yeah it's funny <laughs> Next article, we, we love our automotive stuff here, and uh, I'm 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 a sucker too for automotive plus VR for sure. Uh, Michael, though, I think you found this one. It was a Verge article about uh, again fun title. Mike Mark Zuckerberg seems to think people can't wait for in car VR. Look, I think that this particular story is actually showing use of a headset and all kinds of other things, but we've also talked in the past decade of recording together about augmenting your driving experience with heads-up displays, right? So for sure, there is a difference in presentation and purpose here. Uh, And also, you know, I think there's a serious danger of major distraction by making a a car drive, which is a serious, uh, uh, you know, can be a fun drive, but it's a serious thing. You're driving a vehicle with thousands of pounds well with powers to cause serious injury to somebody as much as anything else and and of course it yeah costs money so you don't really want to be gamifying it by racing against virtual things in that kind of context in my opinion now you know in the future we may come up with technology that's perfectly safe in all of those ways but i doubt it well my my, my thousands of pound was weight not not currency, <laughs> right? Uh, right? And you can Sorry. accidentally run over someone with yes. thousands of pounds, <clears throat> right? Gotcha. Uh, but the, the 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 interesting thing here is we are down going trying to go down the path. I should say trying to go down the path to autonomous driving, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and once you get autonomous driving, do you need to have somebody paying attention to driving? I mean, truly 100%, you know, level five autonomous across the board. So are there things that you can do that are of value while you're sitting there in your hour-long commute? I, you don't want to necessarily bring on a laptop. That's a big you, thing in your you, way you that could, could play fly a game. around the car if it got hit. But you could put on a headset, which might well, be safer. I, I believe there's a certain brand of vehicles that with a large screen in the center console already provide some sort of gaming op- option. But uh, and, and we've seen many of those run into things, drive under trucks. And right. When, so when, I, when, they're, when they're self-driving, quote, in, in, in quotation marks, is unattended. Yes. I, I've had my first experience with this, gents. So um, just yesterday, uh, I was driving back home. I was in a parking lot, and someone must have done an auto-summon feature, and this car was coming across into my lane 
uh, in the parking lot where I was going straight to be leaving the parking lot and they were coming into my lane and I looked and there was no driver. And so that was very, very weird. The, the automotive, uh, the, the car stopped, um, started backing up, which was cr- then creating Did traffic get problems out of your behind middle? them. Because they, they tend to drive in the middle of the lane, too. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there wasn't really a lane, right? So this is a parking yeah. lot with, with a, 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 you know, left and yes. right lane structure, but there was no dashed line in the middle of the lane. But they were, mm-hmm. they were in my side of that area. And I, you know, first thing up is I, I put my hands up. It was like, okay, you know, like, what's going on here? And then I looked and there was no driver. Mm-hmm. And then there were a couple people walking around nearby. I was like, is it them? Is it following them? I mean, what what the heck? So it's uh, a terminator. Dis- disconcerting <laughs> to say the least, my friends. Um Well, that's because mm. it's still novel. Yeah, well, yes, yes. And I can see a day where there are people that will deliberately go at a car with no driver in it, knowing that it's supposed to react and get out of the way or do something like that, which I feel like that's going to be super dangerous too. I I think that's already happening to some degree. But again, you know, if we think about the use case, when would this use case be of value? I don't think we're anywhere near there yet. Mm. Like I said, we're not even coming close to to self-driving cars. No, no. But the the Verge article here really is showing, it's more, I think, of as a proof of concept as opposed to use case, right? So it's not the driver. This is a passenger, like, you know, who's playing a game to while away the time. Right. I want to say we talked about it three or four years ago about the 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 use case of a passenger doing something with a VR headset. Right? Mm. Yes, because yes, it helped with people with with motion sickness. I remember. As an example. I remember a former coworker of mine, and I believe may still be a coworker of yours, who applied for a patent related to using a, a Kinect <laughs> from within a car <laughs> at some point, um, which, uh, well, which I, didn't I, go anywhere. I can imagine that Ian Bogost might have a fun, you know, example of this where you could play cow clicker by clicking on cows as you're driving along. Or, um, or, or the what's the school bus one where you're or the bus ride uh, from Las Vegas to Los Angeles or whatever it is. Oh, desert bus, right? Desert bus, right? You could yeah. do that with a VR headset. <laughs> yeah. Or you, or, you play punch, or you play punch buggy, you know, where, yeah. you know, you get the signal and then you know, whoever punches <laughs> first scores, you know, from we're gonna the have to, back of the car. We're going to have to jump we ahead to because it. Because I know there's uh, there's a couple of links that Michael Rowe will definitely want to talk about uh, oh, before yes. we before we hit the end of the show here. So, um, are we going to talk about the the print scan uh, piece here as well? Oh, I so, think we need to. All think, right, so I think we can very quick. So there's a couple of stories that came up um, this week, um, and one of those was that they've uh, performed a digital scan of the Titanic underwater yes, um, and created a digital twin by deep sea mapping, um, which is just fascinating. I found this amazingly detailed. I think I got this story in The Guardian. I think it's shown up on a number of different uh, news uh, outlets this week. Incredible. Really, really amazing um, to look at this. I, I I was a little bit confused by the article saying it was a digital twin. To me, it was a very high-resolution model. Right. Well, I agree with you that they, once again, have taken some language and used it out of or in a different context here, which isn't with particularly helpful with liberties. I mean, it was- but it is, a, it is an insanely – it is an extremely uh, detailed uh, – Highly rendered model. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I would, I would love to 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 put on a, a VR headset and go, quote, swimming around it, mm, right? Mm. That would be cool. 
But there, we, we had another link uh, in this section of uh, yet another Kickstarter out there. Yes. I know, Andy, you've gotten into 3D printing uh, yeah, lately. Yeah, I mean, they've been heavily. Yeah, so this company, Coconi, has been heavily marketing this to me uh, very directly. Ah, um, I was wondering and, if they had. So I had seen it, and I was wondering what your thoughts were. Yeah, I mean, so this the, there's a couple of interesting aspects to this particular printer. It's another filament printer. Um, but um, it is circular, which is fairly unusual um, in terms of the the way that these things are, uh, are structured. Uh, and it evidently has an inverted design where it sort of prints uh, downwards um, from the top yeah. of the, the printer. I, I, I got asked about this recently, and I am very skeptical. I am, there's so much of a rush to race to the bottom in core XY 3D printers at the moment um, that I am holding my um, verdict until I see some production reviews of it. Uh, There's been a few printers at the high end, high consumer end that are sort of all competing on speed in particular and uh, color mixing or color swapping and sort of just coming up claiming to come up with some clever new ideas and all of them come with some kind of patent encumbrance. So I'm going to wait and see what, what happens here because even some of the current market leaders have had a lot of challenges. Yeah. The, the, the interesting thing to me on this one is actually the noise level 30 mm. DB. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. silent printing mode. Now that's, what they claim. I'm sure that's just, yeah. Uh, and and they show some videos with a, a a a reader showing low levels, whatever that means. Um, but it's um, they never actually have the sound playing. No, when they're showing those, which is really kind of cheeky to me. Um, and I, I the I, speed and no, is something I'm not worried about. Well, there's no way that they're going to be able. You know, there's it's a it's a classic choose pick. Pick two of three, right? You're not going yeah. to get something silent and fast and fast. Um, I've got the and bamboo, and it has the bamboo has a silent mode, which is not silent still, and uh, and that's much much slower than the ludicrous mode, which uh, is which is, is not fast, that fast either. But well, no, the ludicrous mode is fast, but it then introduces a ton of uh, uh, not defects, but you know surface issues that that yeah, you know you you have to balance out the. The, the quality versus the speed versus the the audio the, the sound and, and all kinds of other things so I'm yeah, yeah. holding my judgment until I see people with this device and real world reviews yeah mm-hmm. yeah uh, I, I'm interested but yeah I'm, I'm like you okay uh, Michael before we wrap any of the last couple of things you definitely want to touch on before we run out of time here no however we go we got a couple minutes. Well, yeah, there, there was a, a link of that printing. I, <laughs> well, there was a link that uh, a few couple of links I picked up from the socials that I thought Michael would be interested in this week. One of those was three uh, D printing, and it was three D printing yes. uh, dungeon pieces for um, tabletop games, which is very cool. So there's a company uh, who's Dynamod. producing these called Dynamod, which look really awesome. And this company They're is really specifically good. using the bamboo uh, lab. P1P, the, the guy that's designed these um, to to do them, and he does also point out in the in the Twitter, no, not the Twitter, in the Mastodon thread, that it does take a while and there's a ton of wastage because of the the color changing. But they look very very nice. They, the they other look thing, fantastic. the other thing that I shared with you both just today was a link that uh, I saw on Twitter, and it, I, it it 
just the headline. I didn't see this on Twitter. Somebody somebody shared it, and uh, I clicked through. Uh, and it's uh, somebody's used AI to create the Lord of the Rings in the style of Wes Anderson. And as soon as I saw this little recreation, I thought of Michael because I know that he's such a big uh, Lord of the Rings Middle Earth fan. And I believe you watched it before we started recording and enjoyed it. It, it it's hilarious. Highly recommended. I'm not a huge Wes Anderson fan, mm. but you put the two together and you're familiar with the style, though, right? I mean, it's it's generally oh yes, like he's got this very specific visual, very style, specific very specific visual, linguistic cadence. Style. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and and uh, I I love William Defoe as Smeagol. Hmm. Uh, and the the job that they did with the. Um, I guess deep fakes of putting the various actors into the film is fantastic. It's it's hilarious, Michael. I'm sure you will enjoy it too. Yeah, I mean, I, I did take a quick little gander at it, and the whole Bill Murray as Gandalf is just um, or Gandalf, I guess is yes. what they <laughs> they call it. There is pretty darn hilarious. So, yeah. um, amazing what is available and can be done. Um, yeah. I, I'm excited about this link i'm not sure whether it was you or andy that found it about loki season two coming yes yeah, that's gonna be good yeah. fun uh, well I'm, I'm i've got guardians to watch at the theater i'm still one of my i still haven't watched Ms. marvel uh and oh, you need to. i feel like there's another marvel thing i still haven't watched eternals haha <laughs> Um, not missing much as I understand it. Um, but no, I mean, there's still a few other things that I need to catch up on. So I'm, uh, I mean, you know, I enjoyed Loki season one. I didn't love Ant-Man Quantumania too much. So I'm really curious to see where they go next. So we'll see. And I'm also really curious to see that they're dropping the whole of the Echo series in one go, which is the first for, for, the, for Marvel. Which is, but what is that saying? They're, I think they're saying that they're behind, right? Because they've already been yeah. delaying things. Because Secret um, yep. Secret Invasion's coming as well. Um, in fact, ah. I think it comes before Loki, right? So uh, I think they've run out. You know, they they they're trying to get all of their stuff released because they've kind of got a, hit a logjam. Might be mistaken. Yeah. Could be. Well, hmm. we'll see in uh, October. Yep, and uh, maybe to close us out, if you want to um, be doing the Disney. Star Wars theme hotel. Uh, you better get yourself a reservation right quick because uh-huh. it's closing. Yeah, well done. You also probably need to get a loan because it's yeah uh, exactly yeah. that cheap. Yeah. But um, it's uh, interesting to know that it will be closing. And uh, well, I'm going to spend my part of our podcast sponsorship on uh, getting one of those last cruises. Yeah, oh. there you go. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> you might be able to get a picture. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For an NFT. Off the web. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, with that, friends and family and everyone, um, thank you for joining us for another edition of Games at Work. Drop us your links. Share us what you're looking at, seeing, thinking about. We would love, love, love to talk about it. And uh, we'll do that not next week, but the week after. So. Yes. I know. Next time. Taking a a little bit of a break. Next Next time. Next time. Next time. Same bat time, same bat channel. See ya. See ya. been listening to gamesatwork.biz the podcast about gaming technology and play we are part of the blueberry podcasting network and would like to thank the band random encounters for their song big blue you can follow us on twitter at gamesatwork underscore biz or at our website at gamesatwork.biz